I was watching Frasier yesterday. Uh-huh. And spoiler for Frasier fans. It was one of the oh, episodes man. where the dad gets into a fight with his girlfriend. And oh. the girlfriend ends up getting into a fight with Daphne. And they're okay. arguing. And Niles is like, or maybe it is Frasier, is like complaining that they're arguing. And goes, "You stop arguing like that. You both sound like fishwives. <laughs> and, hey. and my dad's like, I don't even understand that. And I was like, I do. And I'm not going to tell you. You're going to have to listen to my podcast. Welcome to Butter No Parsnips. Every week on Butter No Parsnips, your hosts, Kyle Imperator and Emily Moyers, take you on an adventure through the weird, wacky, wonderful, and sometimes even wicked world of one wayside word. Strange characters, delightful bits, and general joyousness abound. Join them as they test each other's etymological expertise. Isn't that so funny? I was like... That's great. (laughs) How would anybody know what this means? (laughs) (laughs) Well, they'd listen to episode whatever of Butter No Parsnips. They had to wait, what, 10, 20 years? Speaking of which, Kyle. Yes. Welcome to another episode whatever of Butter No Parsnips. Another episode? Since when? Since right now. I'm Emily in this episode of Butter No Parsnips. And I am... Jeff, but I go by Kyle in this episode of Butter No Parsnips. <laughs> okay, we just have to know that you identify as Jeff. Yeah, but just in this episode. All right. Okay. Well, Kyle, mm-hmm. I understand that Jeff has prepared a word for Jeff, this episode. Jeff has prepared a word for this episode. And uh, can you uh, pass it along to me for Jeff? I'm going to pass it along to you, Emily, just right now. All right. And that word is autoskediasm. Oh, no. <laughs> Autoskediasm. Yeah, I'll spell it for you. Boy, you're not pulling any punches. I'm not pulling any punches. Autoskediasm is spelled A-U-T-O-S-C-H-E-D-I-A-S-M. Autoskediasm. Crazy. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, I mean, the prefix auto means it's like something to the self, right? Yes. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I want to say, like, the asm part of it means it's like an event, right? It's like something that happens. Yeah, in a in a general way, yes. Okay, but the middle of the word, I'm not sure what to do with. Yeah, the skedia. <laughs> the skedia. That, that is the hard part. <laughs> yeah, to, you know, like, know what the word means. Yeah. Boy, so can you give me a language of origin, a country of origin? Yeah, I will say that it is borrowed from Greek. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it is a noun. It is a noun. Yeah. Solely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Roughly what era? I know that's not going to help me, but I'll ask. I believe that it comes from Greek from a long time ago. Sure. The, it, it came to English, I think, in the 1800s. Okay. I think. It's been a difficult word to, to, to research. Not a lot of uh, intel. Yeah, yeah. Well, there there is intel out there, but not a lot of people have talked about this word. Interestingly, okay, it's a secret word. It's a secret word. This it's is, a taboo, and the password is <gasps> autoskediasm. God, auto Betty White would just go crazy if that was the word that she got on password. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, autoskediasm. I mean, mm-hmm. Kyle, I have no idea. <laughs> 
I didn't think you would. <laughs> no, but I got parts of it. And you did. So I feel yeah. accomplished in that. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of a funny word, like etymologically, and and you'll see but why. That's what this is all about. Yeah, that's 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 what this is all about. So the <laughs> word means something that is improvised or extemporized, as in something that is done offhand, like an improvisation. Oh. Is an autoskediasm. Wow. So like an improv show would be an autoskediasm? In a sense, yes. I don't think a, you would a use... A long form autoskediasm? Yeah, a long form. I think it's more used <laughs> for like something done on the fly. Sure. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, I, so I like, think you like could... So like if you're, if you're having some kind of problem and you like make a makeshift solution? It, yes. Like a jerry rig? Yes. I would say the act of you doing that is an autoskediasm. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, it's really interesting. The origin of the word's kind of interesting because it comes from... <laughs> there was a word in Greek, skidon, which means mm -hmm. close by, and auto meant self, you know, same. Yeah. So they put it together to create this adverb, autoskidon, which means near at hand. So something that's oh. just close by. So just using what's at hand. Yeah. And so it ended up, they, they transformed it into an adjective, autoskidios, meaning hand-to-hand -hand fighting, but oh. also improvisation. Because it's something that is just like you're reaching out for a word and it's, it's nearby, it's at hand. Right. Yeah. That's interesting that it meant both improvisation and hand-to-hand -hand combat. Yeah, right? <laughs> you wouldn't think there was, like, overlap there. <laughs> you know, you're, you really get... I mean, when, you, when you're talking about philosophy with these ancient Greeks and Romans, <laughs> they could just do whatever the heck they want, you know? Absolutely. They probably... Hand-to-hand uh, -hand fighting did mean the same thing as, <laughs> as having a conversation on the fly, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. listen, let's go have a conversation improvisationally yeah outside <laughs> yeah so autoskediasm from what i could learn autoskediastic or autoskediastical came to english before autoskediasm in at least the mid 1600s okay. and it was, so used, it was an adjective first yeah and it was used mainly in referencing ancient greek and latin texts Mm. And they usually used it to describe the dividing line between what was real and what was a tall tale. So, like, when you're talking about ancient Greeks having a conversation in a story, you know, whether or not that actually happened or not, you know, they, they might describe that as autoskediastical. Okay. The idea of, of, you know, whether or not those were real conversations that were being had or, or kind of fictionalized but assumed as real, you know? Sure. But there was also another word that came to English, skediasm. And that in English meant like a whim or a caprice. Oh. But it was specifically used to describe cursory writing, specifically on a loose sheet of paper. So like scrap paper, something that you would just write on a piece of scrap paper, they would call a skediasm. Oh, so like little, like scribbled notes. Yeah, notes that you would keep for yourself. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, isn't that fun that there's just kind of like like a lot of facets to the yeah, origin? Yeah, there's like here. a lot of different meetings, but that are like tangential. Like they're all kind of dancing around that same idea. Yeah, exactly. Of like something being spur of the moment. Yeah. So, skediasm, it seems, autoskediasm 
came to English as a hyphenated word word first, which makes it seem like it it, it came from schediasm and not autoschediastical. Right. But it's a little muddy here. Uh, but now I want to talk to you about the person who it seems brought autoschediasm to the English language. Uh, good. I'm excited to yeah. meet him. This is a man named Charles Kingsley, Emily. We're going to talk about his early life just for a tad. Charles Kingsley. Charles Kingsley. It's a character from Downton Abbey, I assume. I, yeah, I mean, I assume that he was not only a character from Downton Abbey, but probably a character in every period drama. <laughs> Any period English drama. Yeah. Oh. He was in it somewhere. <laughs> that show ain't worth its salt until it gets a Charles Kingsley on. <laughs> and like, it is canonically the same character like the things that happened yeah. to him in downton abbey also happened to the man that appeared in game of thrones yes yes <laughs> it's just the same man ah finally they've jumped to the charles kingsley <laughs> <laughs> so charles kingsley was a social reformer and a novelist in the 1800s but he started his career as what was called a broad church priest of the Church of England. Oh, and he was also in Broadchurch. <laughs> and he was also in Broadchurch, yes. <laughs> he The Broadchurch is like a term meaning a person who is like tolerant of a wide range of opinions. It's used in modern English to like reference religious liberalism. But in British politics, it's used in a similar fashion to what we would call as big tent in American politics. Okay. Do you know what I mean? I think so, yeah. Yeah, just, just encompassing just... a wide range of opinions. Yeah, yeah, sure. He, uh, Charles Kingsley was a healthy and witty young lad <laughs> who was well-respected and, and admired in college. I mean, throughout his life, he was well-respected and admired, but there's there's some notes from his college days. I'm picturing him in like like a real slim suit yeah. with a top hat and a cane, yeah. just like skippity-doing down the road. Skippity-doing. <laughs> Now, Emily, if you had to describe skippity doing, uh, uh, what's the motion like, there? It's like you're not fully skipping; you're just walking with like a little, a little pep in your step. A little pep in your Maybe step. you do a little jump every once in a while. It's just like slightly eccentric. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's a yeah. part of the uh, silly walks. Ministry. Yeah, it falls under the yeah. It is registered with the yeah, uh, skippity with the doing ministry for silly walks. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny that you mentioned walking because. <laughs> A story about him from his college days is that one day he walked 52 miles from Cambridge <gasps> to London. Oh, and he, he walked a double marathon. Yeah. And he liked walking so much that he would often would walk 20 to 25 miles as a refreshment. As a refreshment? Yes. For how long? <laughs> what, I, whatever 20 to 25 miles would be That's for Charles marathon, Kingsley. Literally. Yeah. He liked walking a lot. That's crazy. Yeah. And he was like fit and into, uh, I guess, keeping fit, you know, and whatever that meant yeah. in the 1800s. Okay. So now in my head, he's wearing spandex. <laughs> <laughs> but still the top hat. Yes. Still yeah. the top hat and cane. Yeah. But just in like lycra. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. in 1842, he wrote a letter to an Oxford friend and the letter was like very meandering it was kind of all over the place he wrote a lot mm -hmm. and he was very good at writing but at the end of this letter he says this pardon autoschediasms of paper and obscurity of style for i have walked 10 miles down the cam today pike fishing and back and have been sleeping in an armchair dead tired my panacea for stupidity and overmentation is a day in a roaring fen wind <laughs> 
I love all of that. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, you know, he went to college for, I think, for uh, theology. And so, like, after he would spend his day, like, thinking about, like, philosophy, he would, his, like, his medicine was just spending a day out in the wild. Oh, so he liked to get out in nature. He liked to get out in nature, yeah. And he was a real fun guy. Yeah, in his spandex and top hat and cane. <laughs> yeah, like, right, yeah. Walking around with, like, Richard Simmons energy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Just like, hey, how's hello? it going? <laughs> do those squats! His, do your skippity-doodling. Your skippity-doodling. <laughs> and his friends are like, oh, uh, Charles, what's going on here? <laughs> Sitting having tea by a brook, yeah. and he's Ooh, like, Charles, "All right, how dare you?" And he's like, <laughs> "Lift those weights! <laughs> One, two, three. <laughs> we are very on the edge here, yeah. Kyle. <laughs> I know, I know. All right. So anyway, he was a fun guy. A famous anecdote from his school days. All right, is all that right. he took this mechanics exam, and one of the questions asked him to describe a common pump." Which I guess, for whatever reason, he decided not to, and instead <laughs> drew a picture of a pump in a crowded town square, surrounded by, and I quote, this is by the person who graded his exam. Yeah. The pump was surrounded by women and children of all ages, shapes, dress, and sizes, each carrying a crock, a jug, a bucket, or some vessel large or small, while around the pump itself was a huge chain padlocked and surrounded by a notice. This pump locked during divine service. (laughs) I guess to make a joke about how they wouldn't let people use the pumps until after church was done. So funny. (laughs) And they make a point to say that they don't know what he got as a grade for that answer. (laughs) But they remember that 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 test answer. I hope he got an A. That's so funny. I mean, he must have, right? This, I, but I mean, that makes sense. This is the kid. Charles Kingsley did not like being in the classroom. He was an outdoor kid. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He kind of struggled with all that, you know, sitting still and doing exams. Yes, exactly. And he was like, I'll just draw a picture. I'll just, you know what? Here's this your, here's your answer. answer. All right. <laughs> it's good enough. Please grade this. You know what I, you know that I know what a pump is. Pardon my auto skeetyisms. He's my hero. He is your hero. Well. Emily, this is just to explain his personal background, but his professional background as an author started in 1848 with a novel, Yeast. Yeast. Which, yeah, Yeast, uh, (laughs) which was his attack on Roman Catholicism. And he called it Yeast? Yeast. And it was a novel. Explain. I actually, so I don't know a ton about the story of Yeast. He was against Roman Catholicism and its views on celibacy. Amongst Ah. other things, because he felt that England's social system kept the poor agricultural labor class oppressed. So this was the start of his kind of social reform opinions. He just thought we all need to be banging. Yeah, yeah. And that's gonna that's gonna solve the socioeconomic that's divide. Gonna, that's gonna fix everything. Let's just get it on. That was that was the first of of his, of his novels. His most well known work came in 1855. It was a historical novel called Westward Ho with an exclamation point, <laughs> and it was based on the experiences of Elizabethan privateer Amias Preston's travels to the New World with Francis Drake and Walter Raleigh. 
Oh, like Sir Walter Raleigh? Sir Walter Raleigh. Amazing. Yeah. I'm and enthralled. This was also anti-Catholic. Mm-hmm. He was very anti-Catholic, amongst I'm other things. I'm getting that picture. <laughs> but this novel became so well-known that a village in Devon is named Westward Ho, exclamation point and all. And it's no, the it's only not. place in the UK that contains an exclamation point. I mean, I, absolutely, because yeah. no place should contain an exclamation point. Why would they? Yeah. Westward Ho, Devon. Uh, yeah, but it was, I, I guess, a really well-known novel. Uh, but not what we're here to talk about today. I mean, good luck dragging me away from it, but go ahead. <laughs> it gets better, Emily. It gets better. Oh, no. So at some point, Kingsley being such a well-respected individual as a writer and a and a thinker, was sent an advanced copy of Charles Darwin's On the Origin of Species. Okay. And he gave a positive review of this, which was striking considering his proximity to the church. Okay. And he states that he had long since, from watching the crossing of domesticated animals and plants, learned to disbelieve the dogma of the permanence of species in his review. So this review that he gave on the uh, for on the origin of species, yeah, started this lifelong campaign of Charles Kingley's to defend Darwin's thoughts on evolution. Oh, and rationalize them within the confines of Christian thought and social revolution in England. Okay. Yeah, not where you thought this was going, huh? No, this is a walk. <laughs> it is a walk, but th- this is. This was like a big thing because he was one of very few, at least religious thinkers, who backed Charles Darwin's thoughts on evolution. Sure. And one of the things that he wrote that was kind of a clear indicator on how influenced he was by Charles Darwin's thoughts on evolution was a book called The Water Babies, A Fairy Tale for a Land Baby. (laughs) What? And I'd like to focus on this book for a little bit. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. Yeah. It's, it, the Muppet the babies, babies were not a part of it, <laughs> as, as, much to my chagrin. But I what think about um, um, a pup named Scooby-Doo? A pup named Scooby-Doo actually is probably in it. <laughs> okay, good. And um, Red Herring? And re- Yeah, Red Herring's in it. And I think- Red um, Herring. I think the babies from Look Who's Talking are in it. <laughs> So, <laughs> so Kingsley had previously written a children's book that became really popular, and it was called The Heroes, and it was based on Greek mythology. Okay. And, and And although Westward Ho was also written for adults, somehow that became popular with children. Okay. Yeah, so by the time he wrote Water Babies, he already had, like, sympathy for children and kind of an audience with them in this kind of, like— Dickensian social reform way where like <laughs> oh you know we need to lift the children up you know from from where they stand in English society you know we need to have some more thoughts kind thoughts yeah. for the children and we should do that by writing about how all things fuck <laughs> yes very much animals so. fuck people should fuck they got they gotta have sex I mean <laughs> it's a natural part of life and that's right I'm for it if someone yeah. needs to be for this. <laughs> so it is a slippery slope. Though. It is a slippery slope, especially now that we're going to talk about babies. So yeah, 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 yeah. Um, joke over. <laughs> joke over. It is over. This is new, new, new thing. So 
the plot of the Water Babies is as such. A young chimney sweep named Tom meets an upper-class girl named Ellie and is chased out of her house, whence he falls into a river where he drowns and is transformed into a water baby. I'm, and what is a water baby? I know we all know this, but you know, we should reiterate. So, you know what? Let me explain more, and I think this okay. will come to fruition. It's not a all real right. thing, of course. Sure. So, when he when he dies and drowns and is transformed into a water baby... He embarks on a series of adventures towards moral redemption, led along by fairies like Mrs. Do-as-you-would-be-done-by and Mrs. (laughs) Be-done-by-as-you-did. And he's accompanied by Ellie, who also became a water baby shortly after he did. This is is like ye olde parent trap. (laughs) Uh, Yes, ye olde parent trap. Ye olde. (laughs) Okay, and so this all culminates in a final adventure to redeem his recently drowned abusive master, Grimes, earning Tom a reincarnation in human form as, I quote, a great man of science, being (laughs) united with Ellie, finally, although they specify that they never marry because no one beneath the rank of prince and princess ever marry. Just... That's that's how this world works. That's how this world works. Crazy. Yeah. Also, the man's name was Grimes. Grimes. I mean, that's why I say it was Dickensian, you know? <laughs> it's like just really like on the nose names for all the characters. Yeah. At the time of writing Water Babies, there was a lot of discourse on the theory of evolution, obviously, and it was mostly negative towards Darwin. Right. And this discourse was comically referred to as the Great Hippocampus Debate because of the debate over the similarity between ape and human brains. Okay. In Water Babies, Kingsley parodies not Darwin's theory as most people did at the time, as was mainstream, but he parodies that the, the refusal that the theory could even be possible, and he directly refers to this as the Great Hippopotamus Debate. <laughs> and he uses fairy science as an analogy for evolution. I I know this is a lot. It's wacky wildo <laughs> stuff. This is wacky wildo. So the book features fantastical fairy-like animals, including larvae, beetles, and butterflies. And it's emphasizing Tom leaving his corporeal form to prepare for a physical and moral metamorphosis. So it's like all of these layers of metamorphosis in like, oh, you know, clearly like larvae metamorphosize into butterflies, just like apes can metamorphosize into humans, you know, through evolution. Like it's real. Just believe it. Right. (laughs) Just, Just go on with it. Just take my word for it. Me, Richard Simmons. I swear it's real. So Tom is originally described as ape or mole-like and starts the story as a water baby, which is just, I think, just a drowned baby. Like where babies go when they drown. Like how, like, when when children die, they go to Neverland. They become water babies. Yeah. So he starts by talking with gnats, 
But as the story goes along, he, like, earns the right to talk to more advanced species, <laughs> like dragonflies and sea snails, and then eventually Ellie and the other water babies. Yeah, eventually he becomes full Aquaman. Full Aquaman. He's <laughs> and got he can Aquaman talk to status. He's got a he's card carrying. <laughs> he's he's a card carrying Aquaman level uh, uh, yeah. water baby. Yeah. A water adult. <laughs> yeah. So the opposite here is also true though, where there's a race of idle humans called the do as you likes <laughs> who are on the brink of turning into apes because they have grown so stupid. <laughs> And there's also a race called Tom Toddies. Their story is that they're so focused on their idol examination that they can sing a song about the examiner and they've had their brains so filled with water that they've turned into radishes. <laughs> and all they can do is sing this song about the examiner. And they're radishes? <laughs> and they get turned into radishes. Amazing. Because they're so focused on examination. I don't know what any of this means, Kyle, frankly. This book is insane. It's, it's insane. Just, I like, know. Every turn is a left. <laughs> I know. I know. And it never ends up in the in the back where it began. So. And this is meant to like promote Darwinism. Promote Darwinism and and social reform for children. So oh, the the whole book represents Victorian social anxieties over the degeneration of the lower class. So right. at the time they were like, oh, you know, the poor, oh, we hate the poor, you know, <laughs> and they're just dirty, dirty people. But he was saying that, you know, wealth comes not from, you know, who you are, your standing in life, but from your moral attributes. And that, you know, right. he was saying that people could become better people by being better to children, in a sense. Sure. Here's the ending of the book, Emily. Okay. In the end, the fairies who have helped Tom along the way yep. are revealed with, I quote, a clear white blazing light to all be the same person, which oh. is an analogy for divine intervention. <laughs> and his Tom's physical evolution from almost ape to man of science is revealed to have hinged upon his moral and spiritual transformation here. Yeah, it was within him all along. It was within him. All along. Wow. He never needed the ruby slippers. He never needed the ruby radishes. <laughs> he never needed the ruby radishes. Yeah. So, There's no place like the water. Yeah. <laughs> so, Emily, that was autoskediasm, a word that started uh, about myths and tall tales and was yeah. brought to us to English by, by a guy who created his own tall tale and somehow Charles defended Kingsley. evolution. A crazy, crazy man who crazy, wrote crazy, crazy, crazy books. <laughs> Gosh, I mean, I love the word, and I'm I'm going to try to use it every time I scribble down a note, because that's fantastic. Autoskediasms. And we're going to go to Westward Ho, Devon, for sure. <laughs> for sure, without a doubt. And re I'm going to read Water Babies just to figure out what the fuck it's about <laughs> i it's really fun some of it's really fun but i don't i think it's like lewis carroll in some aspects where it's like yeah you're not supposed like, to understand that this makes sense <laughs> yeah it sounds like that level of absurdism yeah just a crazy word but great word. thank you thank you so much <laughs> Okay, Emily, so now I've got a game for you. A game? A game? 
The game we is called... We love games. We do love games here. <laughs> We're a game-playing group of people. We are. The game is called Auto Skeety Adlibs. Oh. Oh. Oh, that was actually my first thought when you were describing Skeety as I was like, oh, it's like Adlib. It, it is very much like Adlibs, yeah. On Something near at hand, whatever you have near at hand. Or indeed like Madlibs. Like Madlibs, very much. And yeah. like Madlibs, Emily, I had you um, come up with words that filled this list of descriptors that I sent you. Yes, and I gave you... I, some of my best work, not all of my best work, but some of it. But some of it. And it really, it is, it is, it is some real good stuff. All right. And I've entered that best work into the introduction for Charles Kingsley's The Water Babies. The Water Babies, our new favorite novel. Our new favorite novel. And this, I think, will be our new favorite novel. So <clears throat> everybody tuck in, tuck into your little beds so you get... Are you sitting comfortably? We're going to get comfy for, for our late night, a little bedtime. <laughs> and I'll tell you the story of the grass puberties. <laughs> Once upon a time, there was a little candlestick maker and his name was Thelma. <laughs> that is a dubious name and you have heard it before. So you will not have much trouble in galumphing it. He lived in a great town in the Long Island Duck. Where there were plenty of skittles to ooze, and plenty of weddings for Thelma to earn, and his giraffe tamer to spend. <laughs> As for Candlestick Maker, and being flowery, and being cancelled, oh. he took all that for the way of the world, like the snow and sleet and oobleck, and stood flatulently with his back to it, <laughs> till it was over. As his old African crested porcupine did, to a literally raining cats and dogs. And then shook his teeth and was as Kyle-esque as ever and thought of the slanderous times coming when he would be a radish and a master candlestick maker and sit in the Auntie Anne's kiosk with a quart of unsweetened oat milk and a long unsweetened oat milk and play here, here for silver Monopoly dollars and wear socks and shoes here, 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 <laughs> and wear socks and shoes and keep a puce prehensile tailed porcupine with one ecru left pinky toenail <laughs> and carry her porcupets in his pocket, just like a disposable mask that you've been wearing way too long. Kyle, did you look up what a baby porcupine is I called? I did. Can you believe that it's a porcupet? <laughs> I, I knew that already. That's how I knew you got it right. <laughs> I had no idea. Here's yeah. the ending. Yes, there were astrological times coming, and when his giraffe tamer let him have a pull at the leavings of his unsweetened oat milk, Thelma was the oldest, and I mean oldest, parsnip <laughs> in the whole westward ho, Devon, UK. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> well worth. So that's how the novel the starts. The real that, novel, Water the real, Babies. The real novel, The Crass Puberties. <laughs> by Charles Kingsley. Ah, uh, amazing. Amazing. Emily, what a great uh what great penmanship you have. Thank you for thank your you. contributions to this novel. And thank you for teaching me about auto 
What the hell is this word? <laughs> Autoskedia. Autoskediasm. <laughs> I'm really going to remember it. <laughs> Truly going to remember it. Well, I'm Emily. That's the one thing I do remember. And I do remember I'm Kyle. And thank you guys for showing up and hanging out with us. We'll see you soon. Sayonara. Um, butter no parsnips. Butter em up. Thank you for listening to Butter No Parsnips. Butter No Parsnips is produced by Seth Glicksman, Emily Moyers, and Kyle Imperator. The theme music and additional music is by Kyle Imperator. If you liked listening to this episode, subscribe and give us a good rating and or positive review wherever you heard it. If you really liked listening, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash butternoparsnips. There you can get bonus content you can't get anywhere else. Like the monthly Patreon-exclusive podcast Buttered Parsnips, where this month Kyle and Emily talk about the origins of the show and the meaning of its title. Your support means the world to us and encourages us to keep making more. Thanks in advance and We'll be back next week.